text for the sermon this day is taken from Matthew chapter 18, beginning at verse 1. It writes, At that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. This is the text. You may be seated. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to begin by going after a little bit of a misbelief amongst many people. Very often I hear from parents that they don't need to, they don't really need to make their kids go to church. That they like to let their kids decide for themselves if this is for them or not. See, that is, that idea is neither biblical nor is it Christian. Well, obviously if it's not biblical, it's not Christian. But... It is a very common idea. But the thing is, think about the life of a parent in relationship to their child. Often they're caring for the many of the needs of each of their children. Make sure that they eat what they're supposed to eat. They eat their vegetables. They eat whatever's on the plate. They make sure that they do eat. They make sure that they go to sleep when they're supposed to go to sleep. They're supposed to wake up when they're supposed to wake up. They're supposed to brush their teeth, comb their hair, take a shower or a bath. They're supposed to go to school, do their homework. They're supposed to do all these, they're told to do all these things, and if they don't do it, there's consequences. Right? But when it comes to church... When it comes to one's faith, many will consider that that is 
optional. Say, well, I, I guess I'll, I'll encourage it for a little bit, but most of their life they want, they could just decide for themselves. You know, the thing that happens when parents do that, they are teaching that God is not necessary. He is optional. He is as important to your life as whether or not you go to a movie on Friday. When you make it a part of choice, then it's not important. But see, the thing is, is that that is just part of a mindset that all, so many of us have, and really, to be honest, all of us have to some degree. It is a mindset that has existed ever since the Garden of Eden. In the garden, the devil gave a temptation. That old serpent, that dragon that you heard about in Revelation. And yes, in the book of Genesis, he is not actually just a snake. He is actually a dragon, if you read the Hebrew. So don't think little itty-bitty snake. It was a dragon talking to Eve. But that dragon, that serpent, he told them, he spoke to their desires, spoke to what they want, and told them that they could be like God. And they fell for it. So often, the exact route that so many of us go, because the reality is, is the temptation to us all is that we want to be God. We want to be in charge. And this is reflected in the way quite often we talk about church. We tell kids it's their choice. Or maybe when it comes to worship itself, it comes to the services themselves, sometimes we will complain about what the style might be. We are, if, as you are, many are aware, our 9 o'clock services, we are experimenting with doing blended. And the thing is, I even catch myself doing this. I ask myself, what, will, what are people going to want? Rather than asking the right question, what does God want? So often we ask, what do people want? And if the, if the music comes with an organ or a hymn, people will complain. Say, I don't want it that way. Or if it comes with a praise band or a praise team, again, complain, don't want it that way. As if we are the ones that are being served. See, the mindset that we often come, we are coming to God with, it's almost like there's a study that was done a few years ago when they examined the theological climate of the United States of America, they questioned and interviewed with multiple Americans, and they asked them certain questions to determine what their religion was. And based upon their answers to basic theological questions, they came to the conclusion that most Americans are moralistic, therapeutic deists. That is... That God is there to make you feel good about yourself. 
God is there to tell you how to be a good person. But of course, you get to determine what that means to be a good person. And he does not get overly involved with your life. Basically, God is a divine butler or cosmic therapist. Always on call, ready to answer your needs, and never there when you don't want him. That is the predominant religion of the United States of America. And by the way, no, that is not Christianity. But the thing is, is when we do not like God's word because it's not packaged in the way we want, if things are not exactly the way we want it, and we complain and we'd say, I don't want, I'm not going to be there, I don't want to have it, we are turning God into an entertainer or a butler. As if we are the master and he is our servant. See that, you're probably wondering, what does that have to do with this text? And the answer is everything. See, when the this text is right after the disciples came down for the Mount of Transfiguration. They're up on that mountain. They saw Jesus transfigured before their very eyes. They saw Moses and Elijah. And they heard, and, they, and so they saw this. And they're familiar, they know of the angels. So today, St. Michael and All Angels Day, they know of those great, incredible beings. Think of the angel Gabriel who visited Mary to announce to her that she would be pregnant with Jesus. Think of the angel, the host of angels who sang to the shepherds, saying, glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth, announcing the birth of Jesus. Think of the angels that, think of the seraphim in Isaiah chapter 6, who had two wings with which they flew, two wings that covered their eyes, and two wings that covered their feet. These magnificent beings would sing day and night, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The earth is full of his glory. The cherubim, these angels that are incredibly incredible looking when you read about them. They have four faces. They have one face, they have the face of a bird, of an eagle, the face of a, a lion, the face of a man, and I believe it's the face of a bear. You think of or or even Saint Michael, for whom today is named. Michael was that angel you heard in Daniel and the, again in Revelation. He is the one who had pictures. You see his hand on the throat of Satan. And he's got a sword in his hand ready to drive it into Satan and kill him. He's kind of the kick butt angel. He really is. He's, a super, he's the action hero of the angels. He's an archangel. An archangel does not mean angel of death, but chief angel. So you think of all of that, you think of what they witnessed, so they asked the question, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called himself a very, very rich man to sit down and talk to. But nope, that's not what happened. In calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. See, that is completely the opposite of the way we think. See, the devil, when he whispers our temptations to us, he wants us to, to convince us that life is all about getting what pleases you most and all about lording it over others. It's all about getting on top of society, on top of everyone else. But Jesus speaks exactly the opposite. He tells you you are to become like children. In the 21st century, when we hear that, we think of children, we think of innocence. But any parent can tell you that a child's not always innocent. Or we might think that they believe just about anything. But that, again, is not how they understood it in the 21st century. I mean, in the first century. In the first century, children were models of helplessness. Because think about a child. They don't have, no, who, who, gets, who makes their food? Usually their parents. Who gathers the food, makes it, prepares it. Sometimes, and when they're really young, you even have to feed them. You have to take the spoon and put it in their mouth. And when they're young, you have to carry them around. They can't walk for themselves. And it's a while before they are able to walk well on their own. Even in those early years, they kind of stumble and fall a bit. They don't, they don't buy their own clothing. You have, the parents have to buy that. They don't, they don't get their own homes. Parents have to pay for that. They do nothing for themselves. They're utterly helpless. They're utterly dependent upon another human being. And that is the model for what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be a Christian is to be, to recognize that you are helpless. Go back to the beginning when I talked about with parent, when parents try to make sure their kids are, in, are, act, are good in school, they eat what they're supposed to eat. Well, who gives a child the mind to be able to think and process in school? Who gave the materials in order to build a building, to be a school? Who created the child? Who created farmers? Who created, made it so that the water could fall from the sky? Who created water itself? Who created the sun, the soil, the seeds that goes into planting the food? Who created the animals who are fed by those seeds, by that food? Christ. Our Heavenly Father, He created it. We are utterly dependent upon Him. But see, even in what Jesus is saying, as we think we are so much in our mindset in this world, and we're always trying to find ways to make ourselves the Lord and the Master, and to turn God into the servant, or to the butler, our God, when he tells us to become like a child, he's not telling you to do anything that he is unwilling to do himself. See, I don't know if you realize this. This is, 
So we're talking on the subject of angels. Quite often, it's at a funeral. You'll see it maybe on a card, or somebody might say it, and they'll say, well, God just got another angel. Quite often hear that. And the devil loves that teaching. Because you know what devil, the devil hates? He hates humans. Because God loves you. He loves people who get, they have runny noses, they, they're weak, they're, they need help with everything, and God loves them. And even more, when Jesus says that you must become like a little child, Jesus actually became a little child. The one who spoke everything into existence with but his word. When he said, let there be light, there was light. That same Jesus, the one who was on the throne, who those magnificent beings, the seraphim, were worshiping, he left that to enter into the womb of the, the 13 to 15-year-old Mary and to be in that womb. And he, utterly helpless, the God of the universe became utterly helpless. He had to be the way he was fed was when Mary took a piece of bread and ate it. That's how he was fed. And he would be born. And when he was born, he had to, he pooped. He peed. He got hungry. He got thirsty. His parents had to carry him around. Notice in the Gospel of Matthew, when Herod sent out to hunt down Jesus, an angel came to Joseph in the dream and said, Get the child and his mother and leave. No, Jesus didn't get up on his little infant legs and run off on his own. He needed Joseph to be, pick him up and carry him. See, Jesus became a little child. And the devil utterly hates it that he would become one of you. That he become one of us. And he did it so he would grow up and he would receive a beating. He would feel the same kind of temptations and suffering and pain that you are capable of feeling. He was beaten. He was flogged. He was not able to carry his cross all the way to the, to the end. He needed another to help him. He had nails driven into his hands and into his feet, and he died just as you will one day die. And he did it. That by his blood he would sanctify all graves. That he would sanctify you. That he'd wash you and make you his child. The baptism is such a beautiful image of this, and when, especially infant baptism. If you go to, when you watch an infant baby being baptized, I've never seen a, five, a one month old baby run up here and get baptized. It's like, hey, pastor, just take care of it. No, mom, dad, whoever has to carry the baby. Because you see, that child is utterly helpless. To do anything. In fact, that's why baptism is always done to you. You don't baptize yourself. 
Because you see, we all are like that little child. Whether you are one day old or a hundred years old, you are a helpless little child. And you are, and on account of your sin, you can do as much to get to save yourself as a baby can do to walk himself or herself up to the baptismal font. You can't do anything. You are utterly dependent upon the grace of Jesus. And see, Jesus became a child to make you his child. To make you his. So that when you die, and so that when you are on that deathbed, and see, this is the thing. We make, we make school, we make what the kids eat and all that priorities. And yes, obviously they are important. But when we do, what we don't realize, sometimes we forget, is that the faith is more important than either of it. Because when I, as a pastor, we are privileged, myself or Pastor Salcedo, we are privileged to be at the bedside of many people in their dying days. They're barely able to eat, if they're able to eat at all. All those habits about eating is out the window. What they did in school, whether they're a great athlete or great musician, does not matter in that moment. And their relationship to their family and friends, that's important in those, great, those final moments. It gives comfort. But here's the thing, they can't take them with them. The only thing that matters in those last moments is who is their God. Who is their Lord? There is no, this is why it is of the greatest importance. This is why it is okay to tell your kids, you're going to church. I don't care what you say. And don't worry, I had many of those fights when I was a kid with my dad. And I have a feeling almost every adult here had that fight with their parents. Like, no, I want to sleep. There's cartoons on. That was actually real arguments for me. There are some cartoons. But guess what, kids? When your, mom, your parents make you go to church, that's them saying they love you, just so you know. That, but remember, you are also the image of how Christ loves them and you. Become like a child. And see, God, see, God does serve you, but he doesn't serve you like a butler. He serves you like a loving father serves his children. And by the blood of Jesus, you are his child. So may we pray that he humbles us to be like a little child, ever dependent on him, ever growing in his word, ever joyful that we hear his word, receive his sacrament, receive the things that generations of people long for. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you in the one true faith, the life everlasting. Amen. Please stand.